You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty shout of praise in this house. Come on, who came ready to praise? Who came ready to shout? I feel like David this morning, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I came with the fire of the Holy Ghost. I came excited to shout and to praise. I came excited to give the devil a black eye. As loud as you can go, thank you guys so much. I know that the enemy hates my praise. Now, you don't have to stand the whole time, but the first service did. I'm just saying. The uh, pastor told me the first service is usually wilder than our second service. I said, Pastor, I I hope that we prove you wrong this morning. I hope that there is a remnant in this house, in this place that says, I have a fire on the inside of me. You might be in this place and say, well, at my church, we don't praise that way. At my church, we don't shout that way. At my church, we're not that loud. At my church, we don't pray for the sick. At my church, we don't cast out devils. At my church, we don't believe that there's a narrow road. At my church we don't believe that marriage has to be between a man and a woman and I have great news for you in this place we are not at your church this morning we are at a place that believes in miracles we are at a place that believes in revival we are at a place that believes in awakening the Bible says that we shout unto God see I'm gonna prove to you that shouting is not just for the football games I'm gonna prove you that shouting is not just for the club or the rave I'm gonna prove to you that shouting is not just what you do to your kids on the way to church when they're acting a fool but Paul Bible says that we shout unto God we don't whisper unto God we don't we're not casual unto God but we shout unto God with a voice of triumph see I'm shouting because I've overcome I'm not shouting because I need to lose wait come on help me preach I'm not shouting because I'm Hispanic even though I am I'm not shouting because I'm Italian and I'm yelling over dinner even though I am Italian I'm shouting because I should have died I should have been dead at 12 years old when I hung myself but it was an angel of God that pulled me off that rope I was an atheist and the hand of God delivered me and saved me friend I don't know if you know this but our God died and rose again you're not dead he rose the tomb is empty our God is alive and he's worthy of our praise he's worthy of our shout he's worthy of our song there is a spiritual war that we are engaged in this morning see a lot of times our lack of praise our lack of worship and our lack of commitment is a sign that we are unaware that there is a spiritual battle happening all around us that we are in a supernatural war I told our team last week in prayer that we are not in the fight of our lives we are in the fight for eternity that there is a war going on right now it's not a war over oil it's not a war over money it's not a war over freedom we are in a war over eternity there is a supernatural tug of war and a fight happening right now for America and America is too young to die I believe that we are living in the greatest revival and latter rain oh I wish somebody would help me preach in this Catholic church this morning we are in the revival of the latter 
day rain where God is opening up the windows of heaven and getting ready to pour out like we've never seen. It excites me when I think about that we're living in the greatest moment of human history where we're going to see the greatest power. We're going to see the greatest miracles. Come on, y'all need to help me. We're going to see the greatest signs. We're going to see the greatest fire that we've ever seen and God is looking for a militant church from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom suffers violent and the Bible says that the violent take it by force there is only room for one type of Christian in God's army and God's church and that is a violent believer the days of sitting back and letting the enemy enter our house through our TV enter our house through our cell phone enter our house through the way that we talk and the music that we listen to are over God is going to raise up an army this nursery church see we have turned the army of God into the nursery we have a bunch of massive buildings where we gather a bunch of babies that we call Christians and we come together and whine and complain about what God isn't doing about what we don't have about how powerful the enemy is and how weak God is but the Bible says let God arise and let his enemies be scattered it is at the name of Jesus that every demon trembles the Bible says that there is coming a day where every knee shall bow bow and where every tongue shall confess so the thing is you're gonna bow now or you're gonna bow later I don't really feel it I don't really it doesn't matter there's coming a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue and I'd rather bow when I get to than bow when I have to I'd rather praise when I'm able to than praise when I have to oh because believe me you will praise him and you will drop the knee and worship him but I'm glad that I'm in a house today where there is liberty and freedom to praise that my praise and my worship is a nuclear warhead on the kingdom of darkness that my praise pushes back demonic powers and principalities that my worship invokes the armies of God my praise is a 911 call to the authorities of heaven saying God I need breakthrough I need intervention I need revival am I at the right church this morning I need awakening in my life I need intervention I can't go on can't make it why do you praise that way I can't make it if I didn't praise this way I preached seven uh, last week I preached four or five times the week before I preached seven times and people say oh, are you gonna calm down when your voice goes out friend I'm gonna preach till I'm blue in the face until I have nothing left in my lungs I know how loud the enemy is shouting why do you have to shout that loud because the enemy is shouting even louder to your kids and the problem in the church is we're not discipling our kids we're letting their iPads disciple them we're letting Fortnite disciple them we're letting Instagram disciple them we're letting their secular schools disciple them and if we're not going to stand up as sons and daughters of God if we're not going to stand up as parents then the enemy will come in and disciple our family but I believe that there are some parents rising up that are going to tell their kids I'm not trying to be your friend I have enough friends I'm trying to raise you in the ways of the Lord as Joshua stood before Israel they were all back and forth Joshua knew they were going to go back to idols and Joshua 
Joshua looked around and said, I don't know about you. I don't know about the way you praise. I don't know about the way you worship. I don't know about what you allow in your home. But Joshua raised up a banner and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not negotiating with darkness. I'm taking back my marriage. I'm, some of y'all need to get a little bit Hispanic in you. I'm taking back my family. I'm taking back my community. I'm taking back my iPhone. I'm taking back my TV for real. And I'm going to set the standard that in this house we are going to fight for God. Pushing. People tell me, I don't know why, when you preach now, I know you guys do deliverance and you believe in it. That's the mass majority of churches, especially large churches, do not believe in deliverance, do not believe in casting out devils. And everywhere I go, I'm preaching. And pastors come and say, I don't know why every time you come, everybody starts manifesting. All of a sudden, people start foaming at the mouth. I've had people come up to me and say, I don't know why I was mad the entire service. Friend, you have to understand that there is a real enemy. If we are an army, that means there's an enemy. And it's not our job just to talk about him. It's our job to fight him. The Bible says that Jesus told Peter, he said, I'm going to build a militant church. I'm going to build a passionate, excited church. He said, Peter, the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Now, every one of us in here know that gates are not an offensive weapon. We know that gates are a defensive weapon. What he was telling Peter was, I'm going to raise up a church that doesn't wait for the enemy to come to their gates, but they're going to advance into his gates, that we are going to take territory. We are going to advance and launch out it's time to take the pacifier out of your mouth it's time to get potty trained and say I don't need the pastor to change my diaper I don't need the pastor to make me a bottle I'm going to take out the binky and the chapone and I'm going to praise God like I'm grown Paul said when I became a man I put away childish things and you may have came in with a rattler you may have came in with a pacifier but you're going to leave with a sword you're going to leave with the word of the Lord. You're going to leave ready to fight against the kingdom of darkness. You look at the way the military trains, and then you look at the way the church trains. I told my wife I, I travel almost full time. I've been married for close to seven years. I have three beautiful babies. Justice is about to be five. Journey's about to be three. And I have Harvest, who's nine months old. Yes, I'm a Christian. You can tell by my names. I have three beautiful children and a family that I leave when I go and travel. And me and my wife have often struggled with that fact that I'm gone. I'd rather be home. I struggle with it all the time. I don't want to go. I don't want to get on a plane. I want to be home. I don't enjoy hotels and airplanes. Amen, somebody. I'm so blessed and honored and humble that God took me from being an atheist to a revivalist. I'm so humbled by the supernatural move of God that's been going on for nine years in California that the fire that started has continued to blaze. So you got to realize if you want to keep fire going, you have to feed it with sacrifice. You can't live your life watching Instagram, Facebook, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, and Twitter all day and then come to church for a little 45 minutes and think you're going to get the fire. The fire of God, Paul said, it must be fanned. Fanned, he said, Timothy, you got to fan the flame. And I came to fan somebody's flame this morning I came to put the the gas on the fire you might be confused why I'm shouting this way you ought to just blame the fire you ought to be confused why they're praising this way it is the fire of God in fact Jeremiah said there is a fire that is shut up on the inside of my bones that I can't shut up if I wanted to I can't stop praising if I wanted to there's a fire that keeps me up there's 
a fire that keeps me praying. There's a fire that keeps me going. You're going to burn out, not when you're fueled by the fire of God. The fire of man burns out, but the fire of God never burns out. One day I was traveling. And I, you know, Pastor Vlad, I try to be grateful by God. You know, I full-time ministry pays my bills. I'm blessed to travel. I mean, I'm living a dream. Most guys dream of being able to travel full-time. I run a church. I pastor a church in California. And I'm blessed. I'm humbled. I'm honored. I appreciate the favor. I don't want to stay on ungrateful. And even recently, every time I get somewhere, I have to thank God. God, thank you for bringing me, even though I don't feel it, even though I'm tired, even though I'm weary, even though I flew all night preaching to a bunch of 11-year-olds. I was just, I was praying the other week, God, thank you, God. I'm honored you I serve you why because it's easy to begin to complain complain is what praises to God to the enemy complaining and gossiping is worship to darkness and I have to begin to change the way that I talk your words create your realities if you want to change your reality change the way you talk the Bible says it is in our tongue in fact there is only one place it says we're able to be perfect in the Bible and that's the person that's able to control the tongue you might not be able to control what your kids do but you could control what your tongue does you might not be able to control what your husband does but you can control what your tongue does and I want to prophesy over someone here today that you need to begin to speak life over your situation stop speaking death and cursing your situation you need to talk to your spirit man and say you are a man of God even when I don't feel it I'm going to praise you even when I don't feel it I'm going to worship you you got to wake your spirit up and call upon the Lord I know you don't feel it this morning I know you're tired and don't want to praise oh but your flesh is weak and your spirit is willing there is a yes on the inside of you there is a lion getting ready to roar there is a giant that's asleep we're gonna wake him up tonight we're gonna praise like we've never praised we're gonna go from glory to glory to glory I looked at a friend of mine who's in the military, in the U.S. Army, nine months away from his family, a year and a half away from his family. And I text my wife, I said, honey, if the military can be gone for a year and a half, if the military could be gone for nine months, how much more if we are in the army of God? We have made a soft church because we're comparing ourselves to country clubs and not the military. That is why when somebody gets up here and preaches this way, oh, I'm just offended. Why did he have to talk about it like that? And why does he have to talk about what I watch and what I listen to? I don't know if you've ever watched military training and they're doing push-ups and that sergeant is yelling at them. In fact, I was watching one documentary, Pastor, where the guy broke his leg and they made him walk 22 miles with a broken leg with 140 pounds of weight. And they interviewed the sergeant. They said, why were you so mean to him? They said, why were you yelling at him? He said, because here's the thing. We're training them for a battle that's out there. It's not a fake battle. It's not a facetious battle. It's not just talk. There is a war. And if we don't train them in here, then they're going to die when they get out there. Friend, we are not in here to tickle your ears. We are not in here to give you a donut and a latte. We are in here to equip you to fight a demonic battle. There is a war out there that's broken out. And it's time for God's people. I know we pray and we don't often feel anything changing. This was Daniel as he began to pray. And the Bible says on the 21st day, an angel appeared to Daniel and said, Daniel, the moment you begin to pray, see what I need you to understand 
is your miracle doesn't happen when it manifests. Your miracle happens the moment you begin to pray. You might be sick still, but understand it's already happened in the spirit. And the same way you're waiting for your Amazon package, your miracle is out for delivery. Your breakthrough is out for delivery. That miracle, that finance, that family member, the moment you open up your mouth, but because we don't see results, we, we just stop praying. Haven't seen nothing change in my family. I was complaining one day, God saying, God, the people you said you saved, you haven't saved. My family, my this, my that. I'm naming all these people. And God says, how much time do you spend literally praying for them? Guys, we're asking God to answer prayers that we're not praying. God, would you save my kids? I spend four hours a day on Netflix, and I spend five minutes praying. And God says, I'm going to raise up a militant holy church that's going to actually put time into the secret place. That's actually going to pray and actually going to worship and actually going to dance and sing before me undignified you got to realize that God only answers prayers that we actually pray and let me just explain something to you a prayer life is not you blessing your food before you eat it a prayer life is not you praying that robbers wouldn't break in at night a prayer life is when you wake up in the morning an hour before your kids are going to school and you robo robokota. my kids will not be attacked devil you better get my your hands off my kids kids you better get your hands off my marriage friend it's time the church begins to make war against darkness the 21st day the angels said Daniel the moment you begin to pray angels were released the Lord spoke to me about five years ago he said do you know how many bored angels are in heaven I said, board angels. He said, you know how many angels are up in heaven assigned to the believers? And because the believers don't call upon them, the believers don't pray. The Bible says the angels are flames, flames of fire that carry out your prayers. And there are so many board angels because we're not praying and we're not asking God. The angels are in the military. They're what's fighting for us in the spiritual realm. Paul said, our battle is not merely flesh and blood, but as spiritual powers, principalities, rulers of darkness in high places, have a host of wickedness. Paul said that our war as a church is in the unseen dimension and if you want to win the battle this morning in the natural you're going to have to wage war in the spiritual you're going to have to have eyes in the spirit you're going to have to have ears in the spirit you're going to have to walk in the spirit you're going to have to pray in the spirit you're going to have to live in the spirit i don't walk by my feelings i walk by faith i walk with my eyes closed i'm led by the spirit i live in the spirit that's why when nicodemus said how can I be saved? Jesus goes, Nick, you got to understand. This isn't a natural thing. He says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how could I go back in my mom and then be born a second time? And he said, Nick, I know you're a religious scholar, but there are some things religion can't teach you. There are some things knowledge can't teach you. There are some things cemetery, I mean, seminary can't teach you. He said, Nick, this is a spiritual birth that you must be born a second time in the spirit spiritual realm that our battle is in the spiritual realm that we engage in the spiritual realm and the angel came to Daniel he says I've been fighting Daniel watch this there was a prince demon of Persia he says and Michael the archangel came to help me and Michael's up there now I want to I want to ask you how bad is a demon when an angel shows up and says for 21 days I've been trying to get to you and give you breakthrough but understand above your head Daniel as you've been praying for breakthrough I've been warring for you in the unseen realm and Daniel oh I love this you haven't felt anything Daniel for 21 days and just so you know Daniel didn't get goosebumps he didn't go to revival meetings he didn't see nothing change his boss still was 
was rude. His family was still rude. Nobody got saved. Nobody got healed. Nobody got delivered. He said, Daniel, but you got to understand that the moment you opened up your mouth, I've been fighting in the spirit. He said, I've been making war. I came to prophesy over this house that you might not be seeing the results you want to see. But oh, if you would look up above you like Elisha said, there are angels all around us. The enemy might be surrounding us, but God is surrounding him. Let God arise. The enemy might come in one way, but he's going to flee seven ways. His power and authority is lost this morning. A demon so bad. I don't glorify the enemy, but I know how real he is. A demon so bad that the angel said it took me 21 days of wrestling this demon. I finally got down to you and understand the demon's still not defeated. There, Michael's up there fighting the demon still to this day. He goes, but you got to understand the enemy can't destroy your calling and destroy what I want to do. He could only delay it. See, understand that our lack of prayer, our lack of commitment, our lack of holiness, our lack of discipleship, hunger, passion, zeal. I could go on with another 30 things. And the American church is a reason why we have not seen all that God has for us. There is a second wave of revival. There is a second wind of awakening. There is something that God wants to blow in America and on this house. But it's going to take a people that keep praying. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going to keep praying. Even when I don't hear it, I'm going to keep praying. Even when I don't want to, I'm going to keep praying. I'm not going to let my chains break my praise. I'm going to let my praise break my chains. You can write that one down. I'm, I'm going to praise my way out of this trial. I'm not going to praise when I feel it. I'm going to praise till I feel it. I'm going to tell my flesh to shut up. I'm walking in the spirit. I'm led by the spirit. I'm going to break out. I know I'm tired, but I'm going to break out. I know I'm weary, but I'm going to break out. I know I feel like throwing in the towel, but I'm going to break out. I was reading about marathon runners just this last month, and I didn't understand how they could run miles. They run 10 miles, 20 miles, 30 miles. I know Pastor Vlad, you're always at the gym healthy. I, I get winded if I run. I know you don't think that because of the way I preach. But I have no cardio. I can't run up a staircase without being winded. I mean, when it comes to cardio, I don't want to run. I had friends recently. Pastor, they said, we're going to take you hiking. And I said, as long as I get to sit on a mountain, I don't want to walk. I said, I don't want to hike. I just want to sit on a boat and fish. I don't run unless there's a lion chasing me. I don't walk unless I got to go into the gas station. But I was looking up these runners that run 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles. And I know that Paul said that we are all running a race. Paul did not say that we're on a treadmill. Paul said that we are running a race. See, there are a lot of us on treadmills, and we're soaking wet, and it says we've gone five miles, but we're still in the same place. But God says, I want you to get off the treadmill. I want you to stop running in place, and I want to take you places in God. And I started reading, and what I found, Pastor, was they said there is a phenomenon, there is a principle in the human body that scholars scientists nobody understands what they call it is the second wind phenomenon and they say that when you're about to quit oh come on am I preaching to anybody they say that when you're on the verge of giving up they say that when a runner's on his last breath when he feels like he can't push anymore all of a sudden the second wind breaks out in his body and they said he's able to run like he's never ran he's able to do what he's never done they said and he could run harder with less effort and the Lord began to speak to me that I'm about to release a second wind over the church that you might feel weary and tired but the second wind is coming you might feel like giving up but the second wind is coming God is going to release a second wind <laughs>
So I read that. I was going, wow, that's, that's not even biblical, but it's awesome, but it's, but it's a great principle. And then God says, Isaiah, don't say it's not biblical. It is biblical. And God started answering. I read pastor. I, I by the way, I have a, theo- a theology degree. I have a bachelor's in theology. I have a degree in law enforcement. Praise God. If you're religious, you're like, well, why does he have notes up or a screen up? He must not have went to Bible college. I just buy, David said, I hid my word in your heart. So I just memorize it and I just hide it in my heart. And God says, Isaiah, don't say it's not biblical. I've been asking God. I saw him bring the disciples. The Bible says he, how many know he blew on the disciples? and they received the Holy Spirit they went out casting out demons they went out healing the sick and raising the dead and then he told them wait in Jerusalem in Matthew 28 you, go, you gotta wait the Holy Spirit I'm gonna send you we know, we know the whole verse you're gonna make disciples you're gonna do this you're gonna do this do that and the Bible says in the book of Acts that they waited in that upper room and my question God was why would you blow the Holy Spirit on them and then all of a sudden now you're gonna give them the Holy Spirit he said Isaiah the first time I blew on them was the first wind he said but they got weary and they got tired he said so when I I told them to wait in the upper room the Bible says word for word that suddenly the sound as of a mighty rushing wind came in that place and God says the same way there's a second wind on the inside of your body and if you have kids you know at midnight they get a second wind God says I'm going to release a second wind over my church I'm going to release a book of Acts encounter I'm going to release a book of Acts fire that's going to give them the boldness that's going to give them the passion that no matter what the enemy throws at them they will not stay down the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times but he gets back up again and somebody's about to give back up again I know you went through a divorce but you're gonna get back up again I know they made fun of you and kicked you out of that church but you're gonna get back up again I know you're weary tired and discouraged and it feels like God's promises are delayed but you're gonna get back up again God says it's time to rise. It's time to get up. I had this toy I was infatuated with as a kid. My parents would never buy me, so I'm a little bit salty about it still now 20 years later. And it was these things. They're not popular anymore. They were when I was a kid, and I'm 28, so I feel like an old person around some of you young people. But it was these dolls, and you know they would blow up, and they had this weight, and you'd punch the doll. Y'all remember these? If you're old, then you know exactly. And they would go back down, and then they would come back up, and you'd punch them again, and they'd go back down, and they'd come back up. And it didn't matter how many times you knock them down. It didn't matter how many times you hit them. It didn't matter how hard. In fact, the harder you hit them, the faster they would come back up. And as a kid, I thought it was black magic witch. I was in a religious home. I said, my mom won't buy me it because there's magic on the inside. And then as I got older, I realized it wasn't magic. I realized that there is a weight on the inside of those dolls. And every time you knock them down, it's the weight on the inside of them that brings them back up. Every time you knock them down, oh, we need some believers that say, I got the weight of the glory of God. Devil, you can knock me down, but I'm going to get right back up. I'm not tired. I'll keep getting up. I'll keep praising. I'll keep shouting. I need the presence of God for real. And I have this massive issue. I have this issue that many husbands and many men deal with here in this house. It's called forgetting and losing things. And oftentimes I'll be at home, pastor, and I'll be shouting, and I do what every man does. Every time he loses something, the right thing to do is I yell across the house, honey, where did you put that? Honey, where did you put my watch? Come on, ladies, help me preach. Honey, where did you put my phone? Honey, where did you put my car keys? It's always her to blame. She's always the one that lost it. I find that what I often lose are things that I don't use very often. I've never 
lost my cell phone because I always have my cell phone. I've never lost my Bible because I keep my Bible close to me. I've never lost my glasses because how many know I need them to see? But it's the things that I begin to neglect that I lose. It's the things I don't really care for that I lose. And my wife will always respond with where was the last place you last had it? See, there's a story in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. You don't have to put it on the screen. You don't have to go there because I talk too fast. By the time you turn there, I'll already be out of there. Where it wasn't just losing your car keys. It wasn't just losing your cell phone. It wasn't just losing the Bible. But Mary and Joseph actually lost Jesus. I oftentimes wonder what it would be like to raise Jesus. I mean, can you imagine Jesus doesn't clean his room? And Mary's like, I'm not spanking him. Joseph's like, I'm not spanking him. I mean, how do you spank God? Yet they were assigned to raise Jesus. They were assigned to parent Jesus. They knew that he was the son of God. He was not Joseph's son. He was God's son. And the Bible says that they were on their way to Passover in Jerusalem as they did every year. And the Bible says that during the festival, everything was fine. But it says after the festival, they misplaced and they lost Jesus. See, as I look at the American church, I'm starting to realize that we're not losing Jesus at church. We're fine when we're praising at the altar. We're fine when we're worshiping on Sunday morning. But what God has been showing me is my people have misplaced my presence outside the church. That when we leave this place, I wonder if you praise that way at home. When we leave this place, I wonder if you worship this way at home. When we leave this place, I wonder if the same way you're on your knees at this altar, you're on your knees at your altar at your home. I'm going, God, the problem isn't in the festival. The problem is after the festival. It's like every... Everybody's all holy. Oh, how are you, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored. I've been prophesying, decreeing, and declaring the Lord is good. You cussed out your family all the way here. Your kids were driving you nuts. Can't stand your boss. You spent all week, didn't pray one time, didn't worship one time, didn't fast. Come on, help me. I'm going to look down when I say that one. Haven't fast in a year. But when we get in this festival and this place, see, the problem was they forgot what the festival was about. They didn't realize that the festival was not just a festival but there was a person that they were celebrating and although the person was at the festival they didn't even realize he was there they were praising and they were worshiping for Passover yet the last lamb was standing there and they were praising all around him not acknowledging his presence was there in fact in Revelation chapter 3 at the end of the seven prophetic letters Jesus gives us a prophetic word he said behold I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice I will come in now it wasn't just the heart but in actual context Jesus said that I'm standing outside the door of the church that I'm not even in the church anymore he said and everyone's so loud and so enamored and absorbed with their own agenda that they don't even hear me knocking but I prophesy and I believe in America that Jesus is getting ready to visit the church I believe that Jesus is coming back to the American church and he he will be glorified. I was at a small church pastor three weeks ago in Alabama, or last month, I don't know, I don't even know what day it is. I was in Alabama, and I was preaching about how the door's been closed, and how God is outside the church, and there was this huge barn door, I was preaching in this barn, I'm in Alabama, God knows I was preaching in a barn, I was preaching in this huge shed, and I'm not lying, there was this massive door that was in the back of the thing, it was like a shed door, a heavy door, and the pastor personally had to close the door, it wasn't like a large church, so people weren't coming in and out, and I was preaching this, and I was preaching this, and I was, you know, preaching to the floor, I was just sweating, I was yelling, I 
was running around telling the sound, I'm going to turn it up like I do everywhere. And I'm sitting there preaching, preaching. I said, and the Lord's saying to America that if we will open the door to the church, he'll come in. The moment I said that, that barn door, I'm talking, slammed open as hard as you could imagine. And the Lord says, Isaiah, that is a prophetic sign that I'm looking for a church that would open up the door. I wonder if we have a church in this place this morning that says we don't care if people are throwing up at the altar. We're going to open up the door. We don't care if people call us haters. We're going to open up the door. We don't care if people think we're a crazy or an occult. We're going to open up the door. We don't care if they make fun of us. We'd rather have Jesus in his house than anything else. Jesus is getting ready to come back. See, the Bible says they lost Jesus. They said, don't worry about the time. So I'm not worried about the time. Praise the Lord. They said they lost Jesus. But the Bible says something so interesting. It says they did not miss him at first. I'm seeing a lot of people in our generation, in our ministry. I don't think there's a week that goes by where I'm not in a meeting with someone saying, oh, you know, Isaiah, I just don't know anymore. And I just don't know about this whole God thing. And I think I'm going to go back to my job. And I think I'm going to go back to my old life. And see, the thing is we lose Jesus. And we don't notice that we've lost his presence at first. We replace him with a new job. We replace him with a new career or a wife or a husband or we have kids. And all of a sudden we go from being at the front of the altar. All of a sudden we go from being the most radical, passionate person in the church to no longer are we coming to morning prayer no longer are we fasting and crying out to God see it's a sign that you've lost Jesus there is many of us in this place right now that say how could Mary and Joseph lose Jesus yet we are standing here lost the presence of God and we could do what Mary and Joseph could have done they could have just kept on the journey home and pretended like he was there like the American church has done or they could be embarrassed and have to admit that we have lost Jesus and we need to go back to where we left him and find him. I'm telling some of you are about to get Jesus back. Some of you have left Jesus and you didn't miss him at first. But I hear the Lord saying that I'm going to create a cry on the inside of you. I'm going to create a groan on the inside. I'm going to keep preaching whether you shout or not. I'm going to create a groan on the inside of you where you're going to miss the presence of God. Often days traveling, Pastor, I lose Jesus. And I'm in my hotel and I'm praying and I'm going, God, where are you? And then I realize I've lost him and I have to constantly go back and find him. Where did I leave him? That's why the Bible says repent, return, and go back to where you lost him. When the church fell, he said, go back to the last place you had him. And the Bible says they return and they begin to search. And the Bible says for three days they search for Jesus. Friend, you got to realize that a five minute, listen, I'm not going to hold you super late. I know that you got to beat the Baptist to the buffet. I totally get it. So I'm not going to make you stay till 3 p.m but I'm looking at the church and we have these little five minute petty altar calls where we come to the altar and we just sniffle a little bit and we have a couple allergies and then we go back the same but I'm looking and I'm believing that God's going to raise up a people that say if it takes me searching for three days I'm going to search till I find him people often say well how long should I look for God and my response is well how long do you look for your car keys you look until you find them and God says I need some people that are going to look until they find me I'm not going to doorbell ditch God but I'm going to get to the altar and I'm going to contend this morning and I'm going to push as the old saints would say I'm going to pray until something happens and I'm going to believe God to shake me today I'm almost done, I'm almost done if I could get the worship team up I'm about to close, I'm about to close the Bible says three days they search for Jesus 
Now the Bible says, I, I, first under, I first wondered, how in the world did you lose them? But then I started studying, and I realized that the men would go before the women and children. So the men and the women did not travel together. The men would travel ahead, and the women and children would travel behind. So the way that they lost them was that Mary assumed that Jesus was with Joseph, and Joseph assumed that Jesus was with Mary. And God said, Isaiah, in the American church, there are a lot of men that don't have a relationship with me because they just assume that their wife has me. There's a lot of women that don't have a relationship with me because, oh, my husband prays. But God says, you got to get your own Jesus. I can't depend on my wife to pray me out of it. I can't depend on my husband. Come on, you better shout. I can't depend on my husband. I need to man up. I'm the priest of my home. I'm the man of God. The enemy has tried to feminize the man. I can't preach that. I won't get invited back. Praise God. Pastor said, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. The enemy has tried to come in and feminize the men in the church and get them watered down and get them acting all prissy. And now it's, oh, my wife. I'm so tired. Pastor, I go to prayer meetings all over the country and women line up and they're crying. And they say, Isaiah, I can't get my husband to come to prayer. He wants to watch the UFC fight during the prayer meeting. And I'm going, the only reason why he wants the UFC fight is because he doesn't realize there's a supernatural fight happening at the church. That when we pray, it's not just for the old people in the church and it's not just for the young people. But Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer that I don't want a house of preaching I don't want a house of worship I want a house of prayer the first week of Jesus' ministry he cleaned the temple the last week of Jesus' ministry he cleaned the temple he starts his ministry by cleaning the temple and he ends his ministry and let me tell you there's a ministry coming back called cleaning the church and guys like me are going to begin to blow in the church with a whip and they're going to begin to drive out every demonic power see understand that when Jesus said let my house be called the house of prayer he was actually talking about you you are actually the house of God and when he drove out the thieves it was a sign of demonic powers that we've let in our lives and he said I gotta drive out these demons out of my church I gotta drive these demons out of your life I gotta remove them out of you the enemy definitely has set up camp and we're gonna kick them out the Bible says they begin to search for Jesus amongst their friends and families stop looking for Jesus and other people stop oh would you pray no I'm not gonna pray for you pray for yourself I'll pr- I'm going to walk around and lay hands on everyone that I can. And we have a prayer team. But I don't, I don't do prayer lines. I did it the first couple years. I would have till 2 in the morning lines of people by the hundreds and thousands. I literally one time had like 2,000 people in line. I was up till 4 in the morning at morning start praying for people. And the Lord began to show me, Isaiah, you're doing a disservice to the body of Christ when you're letting everybody depend on you. When I created a body, not one body part. And God says, you have to stop letting people find Jesus in you. And you got to find Jesus on your own you got to say, I'm getting my own prayer life. I'm getting my own worship. If my boyfriend leaves, I'm staying. If my auntie leaves, I'm staying. If my husband leaves, I'm staying. I have my own Jesus. I have my own walk. They go back after three days. I'm like, where were they at? They go back, journeying back, and they go back to where they last saw him. And they show up at the temple 
And the moment they see Jesus, Mary does what every one of us do when we lose the presence of God. She begins to blame Jesus for losing him. She goes, where have you been? Don't you know me and your father have been frantically looking? And Jesus responds. And the first words in the Bible that come out of Jesus' mouth was, Mother, why did you search for me? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business? Friend, you got to realize Jesus did not leave his family. His family left Jesus. Jesus. Stop blaming Jesus that he's not near you like he used to. The Bible says that our God is the same yesterday. He's the same today and forever. And if you don't feel him next to you, if you're not as close as you used to be, it's not because he drew away. It's because you drew away. And you need to get back and stop blaming him and start blaming yourself. Maybe I got distracted. On this journey called life, I tell people all the time, it's amazing. It's e- how are you such a great preacher? I tell people it's easy to be a great preacher, and it's and it's easy to be a great father. What's hard is to be a great preacher and be a great father. Do you see that? It's easy to be a owner of a business, and it's easy to have a strong prayer life. It's hard to be an owner of a business and have a strong prayer life. You got to understand that it is easy to lose Jesus on the journey. I've gone where I preached ten times straight, and I realized I lost Jesus. Was the anointing still there? Absolutely. God will bless your mess. The presence, the power, the miracles were still there. But I got back in my hotel room, didn't feel the touch of His presence, and I can't count how many times I cried. I can't count how many times when I went and spoke at one of my biggest engagements. I was saved a year and a half. I will never forget going into my one-bedroom apartment, Pastor Vlad, and getting on the floor as I was about to take off on that flight and pounding on the ground and say, God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. I need your anointing more than I need the stage. I need your presence more than I need popularity. I need your voice more than I need their voice. I need you in my life more than I need them in my life. I'm worried about what you think, not about what they think. And I'm willing to be frantically and look for Jesus I'm not going to look casually Mary said we've been looking frantically I got three baby girls and God forbid I lost one of them how would I search what does the search look like for a father that's lost his little girl in a huge crowded mall how frantic are you when your kid's gone? You're going, do they go outside? Where? And you, I'm, I've done it. I've been at the camping at the lake. And all of a sudden, where's, where's Journey? Where's just? And I'm talking all out, holy pandemonium, frantic. And Mary said, that is the way that we search for you. And I'm looking at the way that we search. And we're not frantic when we lose him. Our search is looking like, oh, I'm just going to maybe go to the altar. And maybe just get a couple chill bumps and some oil on my forehead. And if I'm lucky, fall over. And I'm going, how frantic should you be if you've lost Jesus? and you've been entrusted with this presence you've been entrusted with this power and you frantically begin to look Jesus response was why did you search for me you know where you could find me there's two translations the first one says you know that I'd be about my father's business if you're looking for Jesus a great place to start is to start being about his business start praying for people start opening up your Bible start fasting start doing something for God and you'll find him the second thing is that did you not know did you not know uh, equally great translation did you not know i'd be at my father's house where do i go when i lose him to the house of god 
we're able to come in this place this morning and find him his presence and find his anointing Jesus Emmanuel we're not talking about this far off God you were raised in church believing in we're not talking about a God that sits on a cloud that you have to pray through Peter to get to we're talking about Emmanuel the one that dwelled among us the one that is in our midst right now that he's hovering walking moving around this building saying who wants me back in their life I'm not talking about salvation sinners prayer I'm saying you've lost that intimacy you've lost that relationship and Jesus leaves his father's house watch leaves his father's house to go home to, with two imperfect people leaves his father's house and goes home with them and I'm reading that going how fascinating a perfect man would leave his father's house to go be with some mess-ups called Mary and Joseph. And you know what God told me? That wasn't the first time he left his father's house to be with imperfect people. He goes, Isaiah, do you understand that thousands of years ago he was sitting in the father's house and he came out of the father's house and went down to be with a bunch of imperfect people and he follows you home every Sunday afternoon. Even though you're broken, even though you're hurting, even though you're in pain, even though you feel like you don't have it all together. You might be in here feeling condemned. Oh, but it's the grace and the mercy of God that says even though you've neglected me I'm coming home with you even though you've left me I'm coming home with you even though you haven't been there I've been there and I use the skinny preacher from California to convict you back into my presence to convict you back into righteousness if you're in this place and I'm gonna say this I'm gonna be the first one today to respond to the altar call if you're in this place saying I need Jesus back I need his presence like never before that you come out of your chair as fast as you could and you say today I'm getting Jesus back I just feel I need him back like never before I've lost that passion I've lost that intimacy I don't have a prayer life I need his anointing and presence come on come on this is your moment God we need you back this is a repentance altar call God I've strayed God Isaiah Saldivar has strayed Every day I need you like I've never needed you, God. God, today I need you like I've never needed you. God, right now in this moment, I'm frantically looking. Come on, I'm frantic. Like I've lost my daughter, I need your presence. God, I miss your voice. Come on, I miss your touch, God. I miss your conviction. God, if I, can you imagine this? You sin and you don't feel convicted. And God says, you've lost me. You've left me. You go to the festival, but you've left my presence. And this morning, God's going to revive you. If you're on some of you're the leadership and you've been a released to pray, I'm going to have you help me lay hands this morning. If you're a pastor or a leader in this church, I'm going to have you help me lay hands. And we're going to lay hands and we're going to believe you're going to get Jesus back. You're going to leave this place with Jesus. Not, you're not going to leave perfect, but you're going to leave with the presence of Jesus back in your life. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.